have a copy of God's Word, I want you to go with me to the book of Genesis, the first chapter. Verse 26 and verse 27. I want to preach this morning on this thought in His image. In His image. I don't intend to keep you that long this morning, but I believe the Lord's placed something in my heart to give to you today. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and verse 27. We live in a day where people are caught up in their own image, where image seems to be everything, where image seems to be important. But the greatest image of all is the image in which we're created, and that's the image of God. We know that that image has been marred and tainted by sin, but it hasn't been eradicated. We're still created in the image of God. And today we're going to find out why that is important. Genesis chapter 1, beginning at verse 26 and verse 27. I've circled some words here in the text that I'll just begin to bring out as we read, and then we'll get into our message. Then God said, let us make man in our image. I circled the word us and the word our in my Bible. It points to the fact that there is more than one person in the Godhead. That God's not talking to the angels of heaven. He's talking to, I believe, the Son and the Holy Spirit. He says, let us. He didn't consult with the angels, but is consulting with the Son, consulting with the Spirit. Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. And then he says, let them have dominion. And I circled that word dominion, meaning that we're supposed to rule and reign over the earth. We're supposed to rule and reign and have authority over this world. That was God's intention from the beginning. And we know that when Adam sinned in Genesis chapter 3 in the garden, that he turned dominion and authority over to Satan. And that is why the Bible refers to Satan as the God of this world. But can I tell you, when the last Adam came and died on the cross... Authority has now been given to us as believers. That means you don't have to be bullied by the enemy anymore. You don't have to be pushed around by Satan any longer because Jesus Christ has given you authority and dominion once again. That means you don't have to take what the devil throws your way any longer. You have power and authority. Amen? That's good news. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds, over the of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him. Notice this male and female. He created them. He didn't create male and male, he created male and Female, and we're going to talk about this in the coming weeks. He created two different kinds, a man and a woman. 
You've heard the old saying, he didn't create Adam and Steve, he created Adam and Eve. That's God's way. A man and a woman being married for a lifetime. That's God's intention for marriage. I know the White House and government and politics may want to redefine marriage, but God said it's between a man and a woman. That's the biblical role of family. A man and a woman having children. Not two men having children, not two women having children, but a man and a woman. Only a man and a woman can reproduce. Amen. Male and female, he created them. We're going to get there in a couple weeks and it might make people mad on Facebook when they watch it, but that's what God said. And I've been ordained by God to say what God says, whether people like it or not. But today we're going to talk about being created in the image of God. And that means people can't go around, let, let, oh, I, I don't feel it coming on. That's why people can't go around saying, I believe God messed up and created me the wrong way. Listen, if God made you a boy, you a boy. <laughs> oh, I don't. People saying, I, I, I know I'm a boy, but I think I'm supposed to be a female. No, if you're a boy, you're supposed to be a boy. If God made you a female, you're supposed to be a female. God didn't make no mistakes. Amen? And that means you're not supposed to go playing around with what God made and changing what God made. You've been made in His image, in His likeness, the way He made you. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I'm so thankful for Your presence today and I'm needing Your help today. I... I I can't do this without you, so I'm asking that you put your thoughts in my mind, your words on my lips, and help me to say exactly what needs to be said in this place. And I pray that you would touch the ears and the hearts of the people to receive, and I pray, God, today that you would do something supernatural in this place. And Father, we will be sure to give you the praise and honor and glory for it all. In Christ's name we pray, amen and amen. We see in the very first chapter of the book of Genesis that God is the creator and giver of life. That God spoke and everything came into existence, but when it came time for the crown jewel or the crown of God's handiwork, we have to understand that man is the greatest of all of God's creation. Genesis 1, 26, 27 tells us that we as human beings, we as people are created in the image and likeness of God. In fact, it tells us twice that we have been created in His image. But what does it mean to be created in the image of God? What does it mean to be created in His likeness? And why is that phrase so important? This morning I want to simply give you two truths about being created in the image and likeness of God. Number one, every person is a special being. Every person is a special being. One of the primary truths that come from these verses is the fact that man is the product of God's creative power and not the result of random evolution. I know that what the 
scientists want to teach us is that we somehow evolved and that somehow we're here by random evolution and somehow we're the product of some galactic accident called a Big Bang Theory. But I believe what the Bible says, and the Bible says that we were created by God. Science wants to tell us that we evolved from a single-celled organism and that somehow over the space of a million years that we evolved from some kind of amoeba that stepped out of the water and it sprang legs and all of a sudden it had hair and it had arms and it had feet and now it began to walk upright and it turned into an ape and somehow from an ape, here we are as humans. And if you believe that, it takes more faith to believe in that than it does to believe in God. And my question is, why aren't apes still evolving? Why do we pay good money to go to a zoo to watch them sit there and scratch themselves? And swing on trees. We were created by God, created in His image, created in His likeness. We are the special creation of God. I want you to notice with me that God spoke the animals into existence. He spoke them into existence. Yes, they came from the dust of the ground just like we did, but He spoke them into existence. But when it came time for man to be formed, God formed man with His very own hands and breathed life into the nostrils of man. Look at Genesis 2.7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into His nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. God was very purposeful and very prepared when it came to forming man. He could have spoken man came into existence, but God said, I'm going to put my hands on man and I'm going to prepare him and I'm going to take time to form him and create him in my image, in my likeness, and I'm going to breathe my life. I'm going to breathe my spirit into him. And I'm going to separate him and mark him from everything else. You see, the fact that God singled man out for special care in the creation lets us know that there is a difference between humans and all the rest of creation. You see, we are different than the animals and we're even different than the angels. We were created to have a special relationship with God. Here's what the psalmist said, Psalm 8, verse 3 through 5. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels. Some translations say here, you have made him a little less than God. Some translations say you've made him a little more than God. And you have crowned him with glory and honor. Special because we've been created in the image of God. Psalm 139, verse 13, 14 says this For you formed my inward parts, you covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you what? For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. The psalmist said, We are fearfully and wonderfully made. 
We've been designed by God. And I want to let you know today that you are not an accident. You are valuable and you are precious in the sight of God. You've heard the saying before, but I want to remind you again that God doesn't create junk and God doesn't make mistakes. You may not have been planned by your parents, but you were planned by God. And because you were created in the image and likeness of God, you are special and you are valuable and every life is significant, every life is important, every life is valuable, and every life has dignity because it's been created in the image and likeness of God. Young and old, white or black, male or female, every life has meaning because we've all been created in the image of God. That's why it's wrong to murder babies before they're born because life is valuable and life is special. Amen? And every life has purpose. Everyone who comes into this world has purpose. Psalm 139 verse 16 says this, You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. God has a plan for every purpose that comes into this world. God has a destiny and a design for every person, every person under the sound of my voice. You may be here today and you feel like a nobody. You may feel as though you can't do anything. You may have been told your entire life that you'll never amount to anything. But because you've been created in the image and likeness of God, God says you can be somebody. God says you can do what He's called you to do. God says you can be everything that He's called you to be. In fact, God told Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb of your mother, I ordained you to be a prophet. Hear me. Because you've been created in His image, you can fulfill the plan and purpose that God has ordained for you. You are special. You are valuable. You are the apple of His eye. And it doesn't matter what people have said about you. It doesn't matter if people have written you off. Because you've been created in His image, you are a special being on purpose and plan ordained by Almighty God, the Creator of heaven and earth. And He is your Creator today. You can be what God has called you to be. You are His and you are loved and you are special because you are created in His image. Every person is a special being. But secondly, every person is a spiritual being. We have to understand that. Every person is a spiritual being. We are made in the image of God. This doesn't mean that man looks like God. The Bible says God is a spirit. So that doesn't mean God has a body like we do. God's a spirit. It doesn't mean that we're little gods running around on earth. There was a teaching years ago in the Word of Faith movement that we were little gods. Listen, you're not a little God. I'm not a little God. We're not little Jesuses running around here. I understand that we're Christians, Christ ones, but that doesn't mean we're little gods. But it does mean that we're created like God as a triune being. 
God is a trinity. In the Godhead, you've got the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. In man, there is the body, the soul, and the spirit. God's a three-part being. Man is a three-part being. God has an intellect, will, and emotion, and so does every person here. That's the primary way in which humanity can be distinguished from the animal kingdom. Every person who comes into this world has three parts. We have a body, a soul, and a spirit. Let me show you in Scripture, 1 Thessalonians 5.23. And may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let's take a few moments to examine each of these parts. Let's look at the body. The body is the vehicle that we move through and interact with our world. This is our our flesh. If you were to pinch yourself, that's your body. That's your flesh. It's the body that provides a home for the soul and the spirit while we live in this world. Humans and animals both have bodies and when we die, our bodies return to the earth. That's why if you've ever been to a graveside service, you'll often hear ashes to ashes and dust to dust. We come from the earth and we're going to go back to the earth. Let me give you some scripture. Genesis 3.19 In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground for out of it you were taken for dust you are and to dust you shall return. Ecclesiastes 3.19.20 For what happens to the sons of men also happens to animals. One thing befalls them as one dies so dies the other. Sure they all have one death. Man has no advantage over animals for all is vanity. All go to one place. All are from the dust and all return to dust. One more. Job 34, 15. All flesh would perish together and man would return to dust. We come from dust and we're going back to dust. That's the body. Now let's talk about the soul. The soul is the seat of the will, the character, the intellect, the thoughts, and the emotions. The soul is where we reason, love, hate, and want. The soul is what we refer to when we speak of the mind. Your soul animates your body and allows you to interact with your world and with other people. In short, your soul is that part of you that makes you who you are. Your soul makes you self-conscious and what makes you able to determine right from wrong. That's your soul. It makes you aware of, should I do this or should I not do this? Let's talk about the spirit. Now here's where any similarities between man and animals end forever. An animal doesn't have a spirit. Now the soul makes us self-conscious. The spirit allows us to be God-conscious. This is where we're able to relate with God and have a relationship with Him because of the spirit. Every person born into this world is born dead spiritually. That's what the Bible teaches us, Ephesians 2.1, that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. We, we come in with a sinful nature. We come in dead spiritually. We're enemies of God. But when the Holy Spirit comes by and quickens or brings to life the spirit that's within us, all of a sudden we'll find that spirit reaching out in faith towards God. Let me just pause for a moment and say right here, it's not until the Holy Spirit touches our spirit that we want God. Amen? It's not until the Holy Spirit touches our spirit and draws us that we want to go after God. Amen? 
But after salvation, the new spirit of life within a person brings transformation to the soul of a person. You see, it's only when our spirit has been made alive that the soul begins to be transformed and the soul begins to change and work on the outside and change the body. Let me say it like this. When the spirit is awakened, when the spirit is made alive and the soul begins to be transformed, it begins to show up on the outside. Inner transformation leads to outward transformation. You see, when God does something on the inside of a person, it will manifest on the outside. When God works within a person, when God touches a person's spirit and awakens it and brings it alive, eventually it manifests itself on the outside. It'll change how they dress. It'll change how they talk. It'll change the attitudes that they have. You see, when the Holy Spirit works in a person, you won't have to try and fix people. You see, I'm tired of Christians trying to fix people. Listen, it's not your job or mine to try to fix people. They need to encounter God. And the Holy Spirit can fix them. Amen. If they encounter Him and they have a transformation on the inside, it'll change the outside. Because here's the thing, you can change the outside all you want to, but if there's nothing that takes place inside, you've wasted your time. That's why you can still have cussing council members because they've had no change on the inside. Say amen or say owe me one. That's why you still have drinking deacons who can sit on church boards because they can change the outside but they've never had an experience on the inside. That's why, that's why you can have people in the pulpit that's still lost because the outside can look good but the inside they've never had a change. when the Holy Spirit does something on the inside it'll make a difference on the outside but for too long we've in the church tried to get people cleaned up on the outside and we've not touched the inside listen I want to touch people's heart when I preach it does no good just to touch people's head you've got to touch their heart it's got to get their heart it's got to get on the inside because if you could get on the inside, it'll work its way to the outside. And see, most of us have grown up in churches where we try to get people cleaned up on the outside. We try to change how they dress and try to change how they act and they never had a truly born again experience on the inside. But if we can create an environment and an atmosphere where they can encounter God and experience Him and the Holy Ghost can have His way, listen, it'll change their life forever because if something can take place deep down on the inside, listen, sooner or later it'll change how they dress. It won't take somebody going and tell them, hey baby, you need to change how you dress and you need to cover it up. Uh, listen, the Holy Ghost will do a good job of changing them. The Holy Ghost will tell them, hey, why don't you cover that up? Yes, we need to instruct them. Yes, we need to disciple them. And yes, we need to love them. But listen, the Holy Ghost will transform them. 
see the Pharisees of Jesus' day, they were good at looking good on the outside. But he said, inside you're full of dead men's bones. You're full of hypocrisy. Why? Because they had an outward experience, but they had no inner transformation. We need people to be changed on the inside. We need people's spirits to be alive and quickened. And that's only going to happen when the presence of God is in our midst and the Holy Ghost is moving. I prayed yesterday, Lord, have your way in this place. And that's what I want us to begin to pray as a church, Lord, have your way in this place. I don't want to come in with a formula. I don't want to come in with just a a routine of knowing exactly what's going to happen. But God, have your way. Show up and move and have your way because I want lives to be changed. Now everything that I've said about the soul and the spirit, it can be complicated. It can be confusing. But I want you to think about it like this. The soul and the spirit, they're similar. In fact, many times we confuse them and we kind of throw them together. But I want you to think about it like this. The soul is man's horizontal view with the world. The spirit is man's vertical view with God. Both of them refer to the immaterial part of man, but the spirit refers to man's walk with God and the soul refers to man's walk in the world. Now when we leave this world, the soul and the spirit return to God to be dealt with accordingly. Here's what Ecclesiastes 12.7 says. The dust will return to the earth as it was and the spirit will return to God who gave it. So when we leave this, we take our last breath, the spirit the soul is going to go back to God to be dealt with accordingly. If you put your faith in Jesus, you're going to go on to heaven. If you've denied Jesus and rejected Him, you're going to go to hell what the Bible teaches us. And I want to say this as we get ready to close this morning. God never intended any of His creation. God never intended anybody created in His image to go to hell. Hell was created for the devil and his angels. That when we reject Jesus and push Jesus away, and we leave this world, hell will be where we spend eternity if we say no. So as I close this morning, I want to give you just a couple lessons, just a few applications. First of all, we were created to reflect the nature and character of God. We were created to reflect His image. As I've already said earlier, I know that the image of God has been marred by sin, but it wasn't eradicated. When we put our faith and our trust in Jesus, we became partakers of the divine nature and now we're to reflect the image of God. We're to let our light shine so that people can see our good works and come to God and glorify Him. So I ask you this morning, how well are you reflecting the Father? The next time you look in a mirror, when you go by a mirror today and you look in it, I want you to ask yourself, do others see Jesus in me? Are you reflecting the Father today? Another thing that this passage teaches us is this. We were created to have fellowship with God. Listen, we were created in His image and in His likeness so that we could walk with Him and have fellowship with Him. We were supposed to be in relationship with God. And here's the thing. We aren't complete unless we are united with Him. You see, inside of every person, I believe there's an emptiness and a void that only God can fill. 
In fact, there's a verse in the Bible that says that God has placed eternity in the heart of every man. In other words, there's something inside of us that we know that without God, that life has no meaning without Him. Here's what St. Augustine said, and I, I close with this quote. You made us for Yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they find rest in You. I'm going to read it again. You made us for Yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they find rest in You. Would you stand with me all over the house? We've been created in His image. We're special people. And we're spiritual people. In fact, let me throw this in here. As spiritual beings, we're going to worship something. We're going to worship something. If not the God of the Bible, we're going to worship some other God. If not even ourselves, we're going to worship something. We were created to worship Him. But if not Him, we're going to worship something. And so today, I can't think of anything greater to do but to worship the King of kings and Lord of lords, to worship our Creator, to worship the One who made us in His likeness and in His image. Amen. This morning, I want us to take a few moments praying to worship and to honor God. And I believe that God's going to do great things in our midst. I believe God's going to do great things in our church. And I believe God's going to show Himself mightily in our midst. Amen? Never forget that we were created in His image and in His likeness. But let me say this to you, and I'm closing. Never forget that everybody you come in contact with has been created in His image and in His likeness. You see, if we ever forget that people have been created in His image and in His likeness, we stop valuing life. And then we start aborting babies when we stop valuing life. Then we start euthanizing elderly people when we stop valuing life. We start seeing people as just being in the way and being nuisances when we stop valuing life. but we're in His image and in His likeness. And so everyone's important. Young and old, regardless of skin color, everyone's important because we're in His image. I feel Him this morning. And you know what would tickle me to death is to see this place full of people from all walks of life because we're all in His image. Because that's what heaven's going to be like. Amen. And that's what we teach our kids red, yellow, black, and white. They're all precious in His sight. Jesus left the little children of the world. And that's what I want to see in the church because we're all in His image. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's just take a few moments. To worship Him and pray.